Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to uh, continue to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals. Um, we are enjoying inclusion on a number of lists um, that are put out um, over the years, and it continues. Uh, so we are tremendously grateful for that recognition. Uh, it is due in large part to the guests, uh, folks who have expertise in a variety of business areas, and they give of their time and their knowledge so that you can get the information that you need so that you can be more successful in your business. Today is no exception. Uh, today my guest is Diane Gardner. Diane is a certified tax coach, Quilly Award recipient, and best-selling author whose proactive planning approach gives clients a leg up on Uncle Sam and helps them dodge the tax bullet. Diane's expertise lies in the area of tax planning. Her goal is to make sure successful entrepreneurs across the United States are paying the least amount of income tax they can legally pay. Her goal is to save taxes one business at a time through the use of proactive tax planning. Thanks so much for joining me today, Diane. Well, thank you for having me on your show. It's not often I get to be on a show with somebody who has the same name as I do. <laughs> yeah, I certainly won't be forgetting your name. <laughs> I don't think so, and I won't forget yours either. <laughs> and I can see the transcript, Diane or Diane. Hmm. <laughs> who is talking? Which one? Make up their mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, um Tell I, I know there have been some pretty significant changes. Will you share with the listeners what the big changes are to, like the basics and the tax brackets, please? You bet. Yes, uh, we've had some good news in the tax brackets in that the basic tax rates that people have been paying, for the most part, have been reduced um, you, anywhere from 2 to 3%. So that should cause some overall tax savings for pretty much anybody who's filing a tax return for 2018. A nice little plus that you know yeah. perhaps they didn't know about last year when they were filing their tax returns. Nice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what was I going to ask you about that? So, so did that change the brackets? 
it increased some of the brackets and also lowered some of the rates or lowered all the rates increased some okay. of the brackets yes so okay. just because you were in the 25 percent bracket or the 15 percent bracket last year doesn't mean you'll necessarily be in the same bracket you possibly will but okay. if you are in the same bracket the 25 is now down to 22 and 15 i believe is down to 12. so oh, we've got I some see. nice little savings there that that will really help people and yeah. something that's extra nice in that area is i don't know if you've ever had this happen to you but i see some of my clients that they'll have a really good year in business or they'll sell something and they've got an extra little bump in their income and all of a sudden they would have this nasty alternative minimum tax that would show up on their tax mm -hmm. return and then i'd have to explain to them why it was there when it's never been there before well some of that got fixed in this new tax law in yeah. that they raised the threshold for the amount of income you have to have before people get caught in what we call the AMT trap. So now in theory, it is supposed to be a tax on the wealthy again, just as what it was really in, um, supposed to be back oh, many, many years ago. I think it was back in the 60s when they first brought that tax in. It was intended to tax the wealthy. Well, they did never index it for inflation. And so as time went on and people made more money due to inflation and things like that, it was getting to where average people were getting caught in it periodically. And wow. so now they have, um, they have supposedly fixed that. Now this, this tax year will be our first test on it. And hopefully I won't see that happening. It's like, as it always surprises me, where'd that come from? They're, they don't make that enough money to get caught in AMT and then they would. Wow. So yeah, so hopefully that's been fixed as well. So that should make you know, a difference on a few people. Um, you know, now we won't have nearly the number of people that'll have AMT tax show up on their taxes. Okay. Which is right. good That's news. Cool. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I know that changes were made um, to the business meal categories. Can you talk some about those? Because I think those are pretty significant. They are, and it has been a source of confusion ever since the new tax law was delivered. So when it first came out the gate, they said, Congress said, that business meals were no longer deductible. And we all went, oh, panic, right? And then they also said, oh, by the way, entertainment's not deductible either, and another big panic. And But we'll let you have travel meals. They'll still be 50% deductible, just like they've always been. But then we're going to look at anything you do with your employees, and they may or may not be 50% deductible. They used to be 100%, but now they're going to be 50%, depending on what you do. So it was just this convoluted mess wow. up until about a month ago. And then they've come out with some clarification, and now they've let us know that, yes, your travel meals are still deductible at 50%. Your business meals will be deductible at 50%, which is where they've always been. Entertainment is still not deductible. And then your meals that you do for your employees is 50%. So if you, you know, bring food in because you have an employee meeting or something like that, that used to be 100%, now it's going to be 50%. So we have a, some clarification now because yeah. talk about confusion this whole year. We've been doing bookkeeping for our various clients and tracking those business meals, hoping that Congress would change their mind and put some clarification out there and say yes. Because if you stop and think about different industries all across this country, how many of them are dependent on doing business via meals? 
Right. I mean, there's lots and lots of them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm sure there was some outrage uh, when that was first announced, which is why yeah. they backed off and said, oh, no, sorry, sorry, we didn't mean that. Here's what we really yeah. meant. But it's going to, even the hit on entertainment is going to be hard because there's a lot of businesses that do entertainment for their clients, their customers, their patients, that type of thing. So entertainment is going to fall into the areas of, you know, golfing and sports events and theatrical performances and yeah. um, those kinds of things. Um, up in my area, I've got a couple of clients that like to take their, take their customers, their top customers up to Alaska on a fishing trip. Well, those things are entertainment. And so they were not happy when I said that, by the way, guys, this is not going to be deductible if you choose to do this year. And one of them said, that's okay, I'm going to do it anyhow, because it brings me so much business from it. I'm going to do it anyhow. Right. And we'll just, you know, don't take it as a deduction for him. And Boy, it really puts them in a, in, a, in a tight spot, too, because it's how they, it, it's what their customers have gotten used to. And so yes. it's part of the relationship they have with them. And if they stop doing it, then what they're really saying to their customer is, listen, I did it because I was getting a tax deduction on it. <laughs> right. And, it has nothing right? to do with you. <laughs> it's awful. Right. <laughs> wow. I know. So it's put some really, some businesses in a real quandary as to what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Yeah. Right. Okay. And now another area that's hurting in a similar vein is those people who are self-employed, usually maybe they're in the sales area where they have always, actually they weren't self-employed. They were W-2 sales type people where they maybe covered a territory or whatever, and the company did not reimburse them for their out-of-pocket expenses. And so they would always pick those up as their miscellaneous itemized deductions. And the miscellaneous itemized deductions are now gone. And so we've had many conversations with our clients to go back and renegotiate your employment agreement and get the company to reimburse those expenses, even if you have to take a little bit of a salary hit. Reimburse those expenses so that you're not losing them. So that was another wow, kind of a big ouch in that same vein of you know meals and entertainment and the things that we do for our customers our patients our clients you know the people that we all serve out there okay but if the company reimburses them for them are there some of those that the company can then take as a you deduction? bet okay. yep the company can take them it's just on that personal your itemized deduction schedule those miscellaneous deductions that included that what we call the um, employee expenses those yeah. are gone, which is the same area where your tax prep fees fall, your advisory fees, those oh. kinds of things fall down in that miscellaneous area, and the miscellaneous deductions are now gone. So it's going to hurt a, a group of people that have yeah. that maybe have not been paying attention or have not had the conversations with their tax preparer, and they haven't been told, you know, go renegotiate your employment agreement with your employer wow. and get that fixed as a reimbursable if possible so that you don't lose out on it because I've got a couple people that will have fifteen twenty thousand dollars down there because they put so many miles on their car sure. non-reimbursed by their employer well that's a twenty thousand dollar hit on on their salary if yeah, they can't deduct right. it exactly so just Ugh, some little things wow. like that that are kind of along those same lines of yeah, the extras right. that our customers our patients our clients expect you know, come right. to me, come see me, take me out yep. to lunch, do these kinds yep. of things. Wine and dine me. Yeah, those kinds of things. Right, right. So, wow. 
Huh. Yeah. That is very interesting. So I also understand that there are new opportunities for partnerships, S-Corps and C-Corps. There what are. are this is where it gets fun. <laughs> and I know I'm weird, so bear with my fun. <laughs> when Congress was reworking the tax law, they wanted to reduce the corporate rate because our corporate rates went anywhere from 15% up to 35%. And they felt like it was keeping us from being able to compete on a global market in a maximum way. So by reducing that corporate rate, we could be able to compete on a little bit more of that global market and ultimately, you know, have more sales and stuff for our U.S. companies. Well, when they did that, they knew they were also going to have to do something for all the rest of small businesses in America because most small businesses are not operating as a C-Corp. They're operating as a sole proprietor, a partnership, an LLC, an S-Corp, something along those lines. And they knew if they didn't do something for the other businesses, you would have everybody jumping ship and becoming C-Corps and all we would have is C-Corps out there. So they knew they had to fix that problem. So they they lowered the C-Corporation rate down to 21% and it's now a flat 21%. And then then to help the rest of us, they instituted what they call a qualified business income deduction and it works really well for people who are not in a professional services um, environment. So it's people like myself as an accountant, your local attorney, a business coach, um, any sort of coaching, professional type services along those ways, medical professionals, um, anybody who's that real hands-on, we're selling our knowledge more than we are something else. We're not necessarily selling a product, but we're selling Uh our knowledge and our expertise. Those kinds of businesses have some pretty severe limitations on them. So the rest of the businesses were basically going to take their net profit number and we're going to multiply it times 20% and they're going to have a new deduction on their personal income tax return. For the other businesses, if they exceed certain dollar amounts, it's going to start phasing out until they get to the point where there is no qualified business income deduction for, for them which are your um, professional service type businesses. And so this new qualified business income deduction is in theory is going to bring you from the tax rate that you used to be down to a lower tax rate for your business, which is the same thing as what they did for those corporations when they brought it from 35% down to 21%. Okay. So I'm working on a tax plan right now for one of my clients, and I'm, I'm estimating his net profits going to be about $730,000 this year. So his qualified business income deduction or QBI deduction is going to be about $146,000 for him. That's wow. going to have a significant impact on his tax amount that he's going to owe for this year. So I'm doing working on some projections and planning for him, putting together a a three-year plan on how we're going to minimize his income taxes that he's going to owe under the new tax law. So um, he's going to be excited when I tell him (laughs) how much that's going to equate to in tax. But I had to go through all the calculations to get to that number to be able to tell him what it's going to do. So on a smaller scale, I've got people that are going to have a $24,000 deduction that they've never had before. Um, you know, some of those kinds of things, which is going to be a nice little surprise if they're not aware of it, 
But for someone who's watching it and knowing it and they've heard about it, they're going to be looking for it. How much is my QBI deduction going to be for this year? And being able to lower your income tax rates, not only because the tax rates have lowered, but because of this new deduction. So that's a win in the business community. Boy, no kidding. Wow. Okay. Uh, You know, as as you're explaining all these things, I keep doing this thing in my head. I keep going, why would they do that? Why would they do that? (laughs) To try to help us be able to compete on a more global basis and, and keep this strong economy going that we have right now. Be able to put that money back into the businesses, be able to invest more in their, in their infrastructure, their equipment, their whatever it takes to build their business yeah. is why they're doing that. Yeah, because it goes against everything out there that taxes are always on the increase. For this one time, they're on the decrease, which is pretty cool because I don't remember ever in all the years I've been doing taxes that they have ever decreased. And I've been doing them for a long time. Yeah, well, you know, they got a fun. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I know. Yeah, we'll stay out of the political arena, but we'll just talk about what it does to our taxes. Exactly. So let's talk about business assets. Mm-hmm. And the new strategies for those, if you would. Okay, another major score for businesses. Um, cur- well, in under the previous tax law that we've all been living under, uh, when you buy an asset, it's depreciated even over either three years, five years, seven years, 15 years, or depending on if it's a piece of property, either 27 and a half or 39. So those rules still apply. But under the new tax law, we have what they're calling 100% expensing or 100% deduction in the year that you purchase the asset. And But it's limited by class. And by class is that three, five, seven, or 15-year property. And that 100% does not count on, on the um, actual real estate type properties, but on the other okay. kinds of properties, other kinds of pieces of equipment, assets, and stuff that we're buying. And so... I'm going to give an example. Let's say one of my um, clients buys a fleet of vehicles. So they buy five vehicles that are at the, say, five-year or seven-year life, depending on what they bought. And we're working on their tax return, and we realize that we really don't need to depreciate all five of them at 100% because their profit isn't high enough to absorb all that. We don't want to flip them into a loss. We want to keep that deduction for the next year. We Then under the old law, we would just pick one or two or three, take the whatever the bonus depreciation was under that whatever year it was, and use that percentage and leave the others behind to be depreciated in a future year. The new law says if you, it's an all or nothing. So in this case, they would have to take 100% bonus depreciation on all five of them or none of them. And so you go, ooh, that's going to be hard. But we still have Section 179 sitting out there. And most of us have used that at some point in our lifetimes. Section 179 allows us to be able to write off an asset new or used in the first year that you buy it. So if we can't make the first ruling, the 100% expensing work, then we can revert back to Section 179 and use it on an asset-by-asset basis. So it should give us some really good results in the depreciation world and allow businesses that are more heavy on the asset purchase side 
some nicer write-offs in that first year, even if the asset is financed and you're paying it off over a, a, a few years' time period. Interesting. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing. Boy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> try to keep it easy. <laughs> I know. I know. God bless you. Um, yeah, it, it, it's always in, so fascinating for me. I, it, this is one of these areas where I feel so bad for small business owners because the, the, it's like a moving target. This stuff changes, and we all have to keep up with it, which is why we need folks like you, right? Because we really should not be investing our time and brain energy and all that and trying to keep track of something that changes and then sometimes changes significantly like like it has this time um, to make sure that we're staying within the guidelines but also taking advantage of the opportunities that are out there. Right. And one of the sad things that I see as I work with clients and prospects all over the U.S. is it seems like the majority of tax preparers and accountants out there are not being proactive in talking to their clients about these kinds of changes. Yeah. So they don't even know what they don't know because nobody yeah. is saying, hey, wait a minute, we got some changes, let's talk about this. They come in, yeah. they drop their stuff off, they get their tax return done, and they leave. And not even realizing that if they would have known to ask the question, Maybe they could have paid less tax just because they asked the right question, but they don't know the questions to ask because right. no one's ever told them because they're not talking about it. Right. And so exactly. there's, it seems like it's a small percentage of accountants across the U.S. are proactive and they're I making agree. a point on talking to their clients and they're making a point of, of educating them and, and letting them make better decisions. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And that's sad. I, mean, I, I hate quick, to say that. I know it is. And I agree with you. I, I, I mean, because that's part of the reason why small business owners hire tax accountants, right? Because they're experts. And, and a lot of them will say, we, I proactively work with my clients. And then they don't. Right. So, but the client right. doesn't know what that looks like. So they don't know. Right. They're not getting mm -hmm. that. Yeah. 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 They think proactive is calling them in October and saying, okay, let's take a look at where you're at. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, a little late in the day. Yeah. So, all right. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have okay. more questions. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Seven Stories Every Salesperson Must Tell by Mike Adams and The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients by David A. Fields. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Diane Gardner about the new tax rules and how they impact your business. So um, let's talk about management companies for a couple minutes because um, I, if I'm understanding correctly, there are some new opportunities for them as well. There are some and we lost some opportunities with this latest clarification from the IRS. Ah, okay. So it made that a really confusing area. So traditionally, if 
we and we see it mainly with with companies who have maybe or multiple entities. So you own two or three or four businesses. You might set up a management company to then manage those businesses. And in that management company is where you might put your retirement plan and some things like that, which would allow you to be able to take advantage of the tax rules without necessarily having to provide that same opportunity to all of your, your staff members. Ah. And I'm being really general because yeah. it depends <laughs> on all kinds of things. Well, we were thinking and hoping that this same thought process would work for those professional service groups who were being hurt by the lack of the ability to potentially deduct some of this QBI deduction. So we were all hoping that we could set up some management companies that could manage the professional business and it could do your marketing, it could do some of your management work, maybe your HR work, something along those lines. And the IRS shot that one down with their latest um, clarification on where they were going with these new rules. So there are still management companies out there, and I see them fairly often with a lot of my real estate type clients, where they'll, they will form a management company to oversee their various real estate properties, and that still works, and it still works where you've got the multiple entities set up and you have a management company that oversees everything. Those still work, but it's the ones where we were hoping to get away from the professional services and be able to pull apart the actual services that you offer away from some of the other stuff. So like myself, the work that I do where I'm actually tax planning with people, doing projections, doing uh, tax returns, those that kind of service away from all the time and energy and effort I spend on my marketing, on my writing of books, on speaking and, and putting on webinars and all that kind of stuff, that could possibly have been filtered off into another entity as a management company. So. You know, we win some, we lose some, but we can still make it work in the right situations. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this whole tax laws, win some, lose some, win some, lose Seriously. some. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 that doesn't necessarily surprise me, but it's it's so weird how they pick and choose, you know, what, what it makes you wonder um, what what experiences they've had in the past that have led them to. You bet. You bet. Because one big plus as we were talking about depreciation, there's a lot of small business owners across the U.S. who have bought an office building, a commercial building, a something that they house their business in, and then they rent it to their business. Well, under right. the new rules for the qualified business income deduction, if you're renting it to your own business, that net profit from that business, from that rental will count as qualified business income which helps increase your, your, your QBI deduction. So that was good news. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, because before wow. rental income was always passive, totally passive. Right. You know, you, you were so limited on what you could or couldn't do with it. So sure. now we're looking at making sure that we're paying a decent amount of rent to our right. LLC or whatever it is that holds your business so that it, we make sure it has a profit. And looking wow, at can we pick up tricky. some more QBI deduction there? So just things that you got to stop and think example. about. Yeah. It is, yeah. 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 Wow. 
So some of the, you know, investments are, are, are really excited about that because of whatever size building it is that they, that they actually own themselves or through an entity and it's housing their business. Now, it's not going to work real well on just your, you know, little single family residence home that you might have that you're renting because that's still passive income. But it's okay. going to work well when you own the building that your business is located in. Interesting. I thought that was kind of a different one. We weren't expecting that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they so. probably weren't paying attention that they did it. Um, okay. So speaking of deductions, so would you say that the deduction opportunities have expanded, stayed the same, and, and are just different, or what? I would say overall they've expanded, even though it feels like we've had some losses, because there's so many businesses across the U.S. that are pretty equipment intensive, and when you factor them into all the rest of us, I think overall it's a win because of that 100% expensing plus Section 179. Yeah. So I think that kind of tips the scale with that one right there. Um, I know myself in my accounting firm, I have, I don't have that much equipment. Yeah, we got some computers and desks, you know, yeah. but no big deal. Nothing big. But I've got a client who does dirt work and he's got millions of dollars of equipment. So to him, he is so excited about this yeah. <laughs> because the limits are way higher than they were before. And so he'll be able to really take advantage of that this year. So that's why I say if you kind of weigh it all out, it's probably a win in total even right. though it may not feel like it to everybody. And and so I think that's a really great point. And so it really depends on your business and where you are and the size of your business and the sort of assets that you have and, and all of those kinds of things. You bet, yes, yeah. Because over on the personal side, we have some wins and losses too. Uh, we lost our personal exemptions, which was the $4,000 that we used to get for each member of our family. We've lost yeah. that, but they've doubled the child tax credit. So for those who have children under the age of 17, it's now $2,000 instead of $1,000. Okay. So that's a big score for families with children. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't help me any, but it helps them. <laughs> yeah. And we have a new $500 non-refundable credit. They're calling a family credit. So if you have somebody who would normally have been a dependent who's not a child under 17, so I'm thinking mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, you know, those kinds of people, you could take this new $500 family credit. Now, you have to have enough tax to absorb it because it's not refundable. But that's something new that we've never had before. And that's going to be a pleasant surprise for a few people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and so what about business owners? So, you know, like we've talked about the business, but, but are there things specific to owners that, that are valuable or things that they should be aware of? Mainly paying attention to all of these other type things that we've been talking about. Uh, okay. Retirement planning is still where yeah. it's same as it was before, so that's okay. great in that we can still fund our simples and our SEPs and our 401ks and all those kinds of things. We can still hire our kids through our business, which is one of my okay. favorite tax strategies. And before, 
in order to keep that kid where they didn't really have to file a tax return, we were limited to about $6,000. Okay. Well, they've doubled the standard deduction. And so it went from six to 12,000 for a, just a single person. And then basically from 12,000 to 24,000 for a married couple. So if you've hired your child to work in your business, you could pay them up to that $12,000 amount and they wouldn't owe any tax and you've just shifted that tax from your higher rate down to their zero rate. So it doubled the amount of money that we could potentially funnel down through our kids. Now there are rules about it. We got to make sure that, you know, they're doing reasonable work or paying them a reasonable amount of wage for what they're doing. But I'm thinking the college kid or even the high school kid who works in mom and dad's business, you know, several evenings a week, they work every weekend, through the summer they work for mom and dad, and they used to make just enough, they'd have to file a tax return, and maybe pay a little bit of tax, well now they don't, because now we've got a $12,000 ceiling, so that is kind of nice when you're looking at the world of tax planning, can we make that strategy work in your business situation? Very interesting. Special planning strategies here with that one. I was just going to say that. I know. That's so interesting. It really is about looking at your situation and what's possible. Right, right. And flip it around the other way. Maybe you've got a parent or a sister or a brother or somebody who's been helping in your business that really doesn't have any other income. They're just doing it part-time helping you. Well, now they could do up to 12000 before they'd have to owe any tax. And so you've just shifted that from your higher bracket to their zero bracket, because in reality, you're probably helping them out anyhow. So I know I did this with my mom for many, 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 many years. Rather than just help her pay her rent or whatever, she came into my office and she shredded and she folded newsletters and she did just stuff. She watered the plants and emptied the trash and just, you know, miscellaneous stuff that we needed to have done. Got her little paycheck. I didn't pay, you know, any tax on that. I shifted it from a uh, from an after-tax position to a pre-tax position. She didn't have to pay tax on it because she had that plus Social Security, and it was a win-win uh, for both of us. She keeps her dignity because I'm not helping her, though I was helping yeah, her. Yeah. You know, she's happy. I'm happy, yeah. and it's a win-win for both of us. That's very interesting. But it's a planning strategy that you have to right. think about. You know, how can I make this work? Exactly. Yeah, and it and it doesn't work for everybody, but boy, when it works, it works nicely. Yep, yep. I think that's a real key to this whole thing. That that what you really want to do is sit down with your tax planner and and make sure that you're doing the things that work. Because sometimes people hear these ideas and they go, "Oh, I'll do that," and it's not really something that's either worth doing or a strategy mm-hmm. that makes sense for their business. Or they don't know how to do it, and so they get frustrated yeah. and don't do it. Yeah. And which is what I see is probably the most common is they, they have great intentions until they realize you got to keep a timesheet, you got to process payroll, you got to file quarterly returns, you got to make your pet tax deposits, all those kinds of things. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe yeah. this isn't so good. <laughs> Only because they are overwhelmed with it. Right. But if they've got somebody helping them, then it, it can still be a great strategy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now I now I have a, a sort of shifted question for you, and it's about charitable gifts of cash. Okay. So under the old yeah, rules, the yeah, we were limited to fifty percent of our income. So if something happened and and you were a big you know giving type person and your income wasn't high enough, 
you would be limited on that charitable amount and then the leftover piece would carry forward. Well, now under the new rules, they've increased that to 60% of your income and you can carry it forward, I believe, for 20 years. So that's really nice. Oh, that is. Give us a little bit more to work off of because I do have clients that are very charitable minded. Yeah. And there'll be something happen and they'll give a big chunk toward whatever it was that happened, whether it was a natural disaster, maybe their church is building a building of some sort or, you know, some little thing like that will happen and they'll jump in and and do a large gift. And it would sometimes they get bumped and they wouldn't be able to take that deduction. And then they're like, why? I'd have to explain to them why. So this will help a little bit in, you know, in that area for people. Interesting. And make it a little bit easier to do the giving. Yeah, which is great. That you is bet, great. yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's make that easier. Okay. Um, uh, so you you <laughs> mentioned something um, when when you we were going back and forth with you know what we were going to be talking about today called um, the Congress Oops moment. Is that the, <laughs> uh, uh, the the meal thing? What is that thing? I would say the meals was the biggest part of that okay. when they realized what the business community was up in arms about. Uh, like, what do you mean you take away our, our, our business meals? And I think they all kind of went, oh, oops, we didn't mean for it to come out that way. Yeah. And so <laughs> they had to do some backpedaling on that and then got it fixed, which was okay. a huge relief oh, for us. No kidding. Yeah. But I'm sure when they read through it, somehow that didn't get caught. And I'm really yeah. amazed that it didn't. Um, and yeah. it's probably because they were doing it too fast. Oh, trying to well, get it know, out there. Yeah, trying to get right. It done. Right, yeah. right, right. I'll bet you're right about that. Yeah. So if if there's a small business owner listening and they're in a and, – and they have a very small business, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they're new in business. And so they, okay. they haven't really ramped up, you know, huge revenues. Is there, uh, other than saying to them, you really need to, you know, talk to someone about planning, is there anything you would, like, you know, suggest for them oh, to you be bet. thinking about? Or, oh, good, what? <laughs> you bet. I love them um, because they are traditionally in a sole proprietor entity type. Yeah. So they've not moved into an S-Corp or a C-Corp or, a you know, an LLC S-Corp or something along those lines. They're still as a sole proprietor. And if they're married, we have the potential to write off all their out-of-pocket medical costs through their business, especially those small ones where they don't have a lot of employees or anything. It's just maybe them. And we're able to hire their spouse to help work in that business and pay that spouse through medical benefits. And that's called a Section 125 or a Medical Expense Reimbursement Plan. So I'll go a little detail here. Um, You come to me and you've got a business that maybe, you know, maybe you only got $50,000 a year in sales, you know, something small. And you're paying a couple thousand dollars a month in health insurance for the two of you. Okay. We'll just do two because that's easy math, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so we get to looking at are there areas in your business that your spouse could help? Do they have a certain skill level? Can they do all your social media for you? Can they do your office work? Can they do your filing, your paying your bills, your receivables, your 
you know, your payables, your um, HR, any of that kind of stuff. Can they do those kind of things? Or can they get out and do sales for you? You know, whatever it is. Can, what can they do? We want to come up with a job description. And then we want to um, implement a Section 125 plan or, or a medical expense reimbursement. It goes by both names. And it's some forms that need to be filled out. But then, according to the IRS, you can pay your spouse through the reimbursement of their medical benefits. And so the spouse then um, submits for payment to your business your monthly health insurance bill, and the business reimburses them. But we have to make sure that the amount they get reimbursed is reasonable for the work that they're doing in your business. Oh. So if they only work an hour a month, you have a hard time reimbursing that couple thousand dollars a month in health insurance costs. <laughs> so we have to be reasonable. But when this works, it's a major score for somebody who's married in a smaller business. No kidding. All right, now I, I have a like an extension question on that. If okay. a business owner, if their spouse carries their health insurance through whatever company the spouse mm -hmm. works for, mm -hmm. but um, what because of whatever plan they have, you know, they have deductibles and they've got, mm -hmm. you know, 20% that first they have to meet the deductible and then they have 20%. Can can the 125 cover that stuff? You bet. Yes. And there might even be a payroll deduction for part of that health insurance. So they can get reimbursed on. There's a, the whole little laundry list of things that you can get reimbursed on. So, you know, if somebody's interested in that, I'd be happy to t you know, talk with them about right. here's the laundry list. You know, are, do your needs meet what's on the laundry list of things that we can reimbursed right. for. And right. so it's a great way to cover those out-of-pocket costs, uh, right. co-pays, uh, payroll yeah. deductions, things like that. And we don't have to set that spouse up on actual payroll. We don't have to file quarterly payroll returns. We don't have to file W-2s. We just have to do it the right way. That's so interesting. Yeah. Now, where it starts falling apart is when they start hiring a bunch of people. Because what you do for one employee, you have to do for <laughs> others. And then it starts falling apart because you can't be as generous. Now, you can still do it, but you just can't be as generous. You can't reimburse up to the full amount, you know, because you right. wouldn't want to do that for everybody. You'd go right. broke if you did right. that. Yeah. But it's really, really perfect for these smaller businesses that should maybe just the owner working in it and could use some help until they hire the spouse instead of somebody else. That is so interesting. Yeah, but we need a spouse. You know, um, right. Right. Single people, it doesn't work for them. They have to, I always tell someone, well, go find me a spouse, get married, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and then it also works well in a C-corporation environment because then you don't need a spouse. You can just oh. be the sole recipient of it. So if you have a smaller C-corp, and you don't have a whole bunch of employees or whatever, you can potentially make it work over there as well. But it does not work well in the other entities. Interesting. Okay. And I've had people yeah. ask me, um, and, and they're sole proprietors, if they are able to just, you know, set up like an HSA so that they can take some of their revenue and, and put it into an account to be able to pay down medical expenses. You bet. Yes, we love HSAs. Huh. When we can't make this medical expense reimbursement plan work, then yeah. our, our fallback is an HSA. So a health insurance plan that qualifies for an HSA. So the big kicker is that the plan qualifies for it. So it has to have a certain high deductible and there's a couple other little things that must meet. 
So we want a plan that says it qualifies for an HSA. And an HSA is a health savings account. And with that, you're able to contribute up to a certain amount of money per year, depending on if, it, if it's for just a person or if it's for a family. And so you contribute to it similar like you would to an, to an IRA, a traditional IRA. You contribute the money. And then when you have health expenses, then you're able to reimburse yourself out of that HSA bank account, and it's not taxable or anything. Now, you can't take those same expenses and use them as a deduction on your itemized deductions, but you reimburse yourself right. out of the HSA. And let's say you've put $6,000 in there this year, and you only used $1,500. Well, the other $4,500 just sits there, and then next year maybe the same thing happens, so now you've got $9,000 sitting there. From that point on, it works like an IRA. In that if you take it out for non-medical reasons before age 59 and a half, there is a 10% penalty and it comes out and it's taxable when it comes out. Got it. You got to be careful and just right. you know, use it for medical reasons or right. let it sit there as part of your long-term retirement planning because huh. it'll be there and act like an IRA down the road. That's wild. Yeah, it is. And it's really great because I've got clients that have their little HSA debit cards. And when they go to the doctor or whatever, they swipe that little debit card and it comes out of that account. And yeah. it makes life pretty nice for them. No and it's a nice way to move something here that maybe you didn't, you couldn't deduct it on your itemized deductions. But yeah. by doing it through the HSA, you were able to take the deduction for the amount you contribute to your HSA account. And then when you reimburse yourself, it's not taxable. So it's kind of a nice little win-win for you. That's crazy. And, and, I, and I just have to say thank you so much for that example because that is a great example of why people need a tax advisor. Yes, not try to do it yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, DYI not. does not work in the tax oh, planning world. No yeah. kidding. Wow. Well, I, I so appreciate this information. And, and will you, so speaking of which, will you please let the listeners know how they can find you and get in oh, touch with bet. you so they can do some of this planning? You bet. The best way is to go out to www.taxcoachforyou.com, and that's using the number four. So taxcoach, the number four, y-o-u.com, forward slash accelerate your biz growth. So B-I-Z in there, accelerate your biz growth. And when they do that, we have a nice little report called Congress Cut Taxes, and it's going to talk about all these things that you and I have been talking about today. They also have the opportunity that they can request a free tax analysis from us. And we'll be happy to hop on phone or Zoom, and we just walk our way down their tax return and let them know if I see mistakes or missed opportunities. And wow. then if they decide they want to work with me, great. If they don't, there's, you know, there's, it's totally fine. There's no obligation. Oh, but we awesome. meet some of the nicest people that way. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is so great. And, and folks, listen, you're listening to this. It is obvious that Diane, the other one, uh, is very <laughs> skilled at this, knows what she's talking about. Um, and, and so you, you can't go wrong reaching out to her and having that conversation. Um, and imagine the things you could be doing that you don't even know you could be doing. Right. Yeah. And there's so that. many little things out there oh, that most amazing. people aren't even aware of. Right. 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 I know. That's what's so crazy about it. Wow. Okay. Well, 
So thank you. Thank you so much. I, I'm really so grateful that you um, shared this information, especially because, you know, we're coming into the end of the year and it's a great time for, you know, we're not like right in the middle of tax season, but it's a great time for people to be learning about this and exploring and reaching out to you and seeing what they can do. So Right. Yeah. Starting to think about, is there something I'm missing just because I didn't yeah. know to ask the right questions? Yep. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. And I also like to thank the listeners. You guys got a, a great episode today, as well as our sponsor. Uh, remember that if you would like to get a free trial of audible.com, as well as a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.